0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, over the next few minutes, I'm expecting we'll be able to encapsulate something of what we would know as the purposes of God. Well, we know there must be a divine purpose because Jesus reflected his own ministry saying, I don't seek to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. When we wonder about the purpose of God, we wonder about what his goal might be. We wonder if his purpose is still on track when things go wrong and we feel like we've missed the mark. Well, if we knew the overall purpose, we might be able to see ourselves in the context of what he is doing. And we could identify what our own personal assignment might be. In connection with his purpose. We might speculate about God's purpose, but what does the Bible say? A wonderful privilege today to welcome back to 2020 Pastor David Richards. David's now in his 80s, converted to Christianity back in 1950. At that time he was in the Brethren Assemblies, he served in the Apostolic Churches Australia and for 17 years was pastor of the Seniors Ministry of the Hillsong Church in Sydney. He is an outstanding Bible teacher and a real pleasure to welcome him back to 2020 today. Welcome David Richards.
1: Thank you very much, lovely to be here, thank you.
0: David, when we talk about the purposes of God, is this one of those needle-in-a-haystack ideas? Somehow or other, you search and you search and you're looking for something and wonder whether we've really ever put our finger on it, or is it actually in plain sight?
1: Well, the, the Apostle Paul leaves us in no doubt in the early chapters of his letter to the Ephesians that God is indeed a God of purpose. And uh, God does have many purposes, and you, you you don't have to read very far into the Bible to see God expressing uh, his purpose when he said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. So there, there is an expression of God of a purpose that he had in mind to do, and he began to do it. So God is a God of purpose, yes. And I imagine it's not just the creation of man and woman,
0: as you're referring to in Genesis chapter 1. But what they're called to do, uh, to go into the world, uh, to multiply, Uh, what would we understand about the practicalities right from those very first opening verses in Genesis?
1: Yes, well, God's plan, it seemed, was to have a human race who lived on the earth in uh, idyllic conditions, paradise, um, in close relationship with himself, as we're told that he used to have a chat with Adam in the cool of the evening in the garden. So it was God's uh, intention to have a, a creation of beings that uh, with whom he could converse and have fellowship himself, um, that he might uh, get to know them and they get to know him, as it were.
0: And then enters the sin issue, and that creates something of a gap, doesn't it?
1: Yes, uh, uh, and God was not... Uh, um, you know, didn't uh, he wasn't unaware that this was going to happen, because he, uh, being a God of purpose, you see, if if God had been caught unawares by the um, uh, adventures of Lucifer in the garden, as we are told, um, it would have meant that God was caught off balance. in fact, he wasn't God at all. That there was somebody who had a better idea of how to do things than he. But that was not the case. God already had other purposes in plan and in uh, in in waiting uh, when, this took, when this took place in the Garden of Eden.
0: Over the years, have you noticed when you're talking about purpose, the questions people ask about the presence of evil and the presence of sin and somehow or other that those must be equal to the presence of God, uh, how do you put those in context when we start talking about the purposes of God?
1: Well, uh, we're told, of course, about the uh, the origins of sin, really, in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. There are two brief biographies of this gentleman called Lucifer, who was the highest angel. He held the, the highest job in the heavens, actually. Uh, we were told that he was a king because he had a throne. We're also told that he had wonderful musical ability. He led the worship in heaven. I mean, he had the greatest job ever, and yet he decided uh, of his own volition, pride rose up and he decided that he wanted God's job. He said, I will ascend, I will exalt my throne above the the throne of the rest of the angels and I will be like the most high. And God said, well, I'm sorry, no, you won't. And uh, from that time onwards, Lucifer has been at odds with all of the purposes of God. And we can see that delineated right through the scripture, not only the Adam purpose, but everything else that God has uh, sought to do that Lucifer has been totally opposed to it. So you start with all things made perfect. Then
0: this imperfection comes, the entry of sin, which has its origins, as you say, with Lucifer. We have other purposes of God in that he called a people to himself and we have the formation of the nation of Israel and Moses, of course, leading them out of Egypt. How would that fit into the sort of purposes that you might have uh, overall, for where God would
1: be taking humanity, mm. yeah, that's an interesting question, Neil. Um, because God's purposes are many, and uh, and and I, I believe, uh, I mean, uh, there are probably there's much we could say about that, but but uh, a brief sort of an overview of the purposes of God, you could divide them into two separate groups: eternal purposes, that is, purposes which go on into eternity and time purposes, which are executed and come to their conclusion in what the scene of what we call time. And what you were referring to with Abraham and the nation of Israel is one of those time purposes, as we find in 1 Corinthians 10.32, where Paul says, Give none offence neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God. So they are three time purposes that God has. And as we study the scripture, we find that they are concluded in the scene of what we call time. So sin itself
0: would be part of these time purposes. As you say, God not taken by surprise, but the time purposes, they come under the umbrella of what God's eternal purposes might be.
1: Exactly, exactly. They are the way that God is working out in the scene of time, his eventual eternal purposes, because he is the God, the scripture says he's the God who inhabits eternity. and um, And the reason why, It's important for us as Christians to know about the purposes of God is because the scripture tells us that eternity is in our hearts. We've got a space in our hearts that's eternal in its nature and only God can fill it. And uh, there is a capacity there uh, for us to have a relationship with God and to have an understanding of what his eternal purposes are.
0: Let's fast forward to the New Testament and talk about Jesus uh, the Messiah the redeemer that word redemption is an important one I know when it comes to talking about how that issue of sin is dealt with how do we see Jesus in the context of what these purposes of God might
1: be mm. yes well Jesus of course is the is the focal point of, of scripture right from beginning to ending and um we find that particularly in in the uh, Paul's epistle to the Colossians where he, we are told by Paul that it's the plan of the Father by him to reconcile all things to himself. So anything that's gone astray or seems to have gone wrong in God's desired purposes, Jesus is the one who is going to rectify the situation. And uh, we are told very clearly in Colossians that uh, the way that he rectified it, past tense, was by the shedding of his blood. Now that's 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 fundamental to the Christian belief. And it's not only fundamental to Christian belief, but it's fundamental to the purposes of God and the outworking and the completion of the purposes of God to God's requirement and desire.
0: Let's talk about Jesus and what he said about the purposes of God because he makes some huge claims in Luke chapter 4 when he opens the scroll in the synagogue and begins to recite from Isaiah 61. And this message is about him.
1: Exactly. Um, Isaiah, the great prophet, prophesied in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. And of course, when Jesus stood up in the synagogue to read and there was given to him, the scriptures and lo and behold there it was open at Isaiah 61 and he recited the beginnings of those verses to the point where it says to the acceptable year of the Lord and he closed the book and he did not go on to the day of vengeance of our God and it was significant then that Jesus had involved himself in the purposes of God and that he was the one who had forced all the vengeance because he was the one who was going to pay the price whereby the vengeance of God would be wreaked upon him in order that we might be free from the power of sin. A powerful
0: insight you're bringing here because listeners will know that Jesus stopping short of fulfilling or of reading the rest of Isaiah 61, it would give us a little bit of curiosity value to go to Isaiah 61 and read what comes beyond that, mm. because that's when we start to recognize that Jesus had those limited things that he would do in the lead up to the time of the cross and our redemption. Exactly. But there was much more to it than what was
1: about to happen. Exactly, exactly. And and his disciples um, remarkably uh, questioned him about those things in Matthew 24, where Jesus was with his disciples and they'd been looking at the temple and how wonderful it was. And uh, he said the time's coming when all of this will be down and uh, there won't be one stone left on another. So his disciples, their imagination and their inquisitiveness was, was uh, high high at that time. And they said, well, Lord, tell us, uh, when will these things be? and What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the world? And so they are three pointed questions, and Jesus was the only one who can answer it, and he did. And it's important for us to re- remember that when he answered that que- those questions, he answered them in the context of Israel, and not sometimes as we think in the in the context of the church. But he answered those questions in the context of Israel, and that very time purpose that we were talking about before concerning Israel.
0: And we might appreciate that while the world was created in perfection, perfection is also a goal. Pastor David Richards is our guest, a great man, a great teacher, a pleasure to have him on 2020 today as we talk about the purposes of God. We're back with more in just a short while. We're taking a little time out as we talk about the purposes of God in such a way as we want to look purely at what the Bible is teaching about God's purposes and a wonderful opportunity today with an outstanding Bible teacher a pleasure to welcome back to 2020 Pastor David Richards David when we talk about these purposes you mentioned a little earlier the eternal purposes of God and the time purposes of God how do we just encapsulate those sum those up so we understand where we're going with this conversation
1: yes um in in general terms, there are three eternal purposes which stand out uh, among the others, and, and they are these. There's the Adam purpose where God said, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness and let them have dominion. Now, that was a purpose for a human race on the face of the planet Earth to prosper and to to procreate and to prosper and to enlarge. Now, that was spoiled, but that didn't mean that God had lost the plot. He immediately unveil a second purpose and that second purpose was unveiled through uh, Abel um, when Abel brought a sacrifice that was acceptable to God because he shed the blood of a a lamb and uh, it also told us there that God had set in process a principle of blood uh, shedding for getting rid of sin and covering of sin and uh, Abel because of his faith in God that he had learned from his father He decided to follow the correct path and do what God had instructed because bear in mind when uh, Adam and Eve had sinned, one of the first things that God did was to provide provide them a covering and that covering was skins. And of course for the skins to be provided, there had to be the shedding of blood and God immediately set the principle there of shedding of blood for the remission of sins. So there was this second purpose um, of people of faith and that went right through to the cross because we're told about that in Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. We're told about these people from the Old Testament who uh, had great faith in God, who fulfilled the sacrifices, and, but, but they never ever received the fullness of their promises Uh, and they all died. Uh, It seemed a shame to to read that at first, but then it says, but God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath provided for them a city, that is a heavenly city, that Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham was seeking after. So you've got uh, an Adam purpose on the earth, you've got a city purpose in the heavens that Abraham and his cohorts were looking for, and then, of course, you've got the third eternal purpose, which is the ascension purpose or the body of Christ to which we as Christians today belong. And that goes on into eternity as well. Then when you're looking at the time purposes of God, well, Paul enumerates them for us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 32, where he says, give none offence, neither to the Jew, the Gentile, nor the church of God. And the people who live on the earth today are divided into those three categories. And, uh, but we thank God that there's a possibility that we, whether we're Jew or Gentile, we can become part of the church of God today. And as a time purpose, God is filling that purpose up for a heavenly purpose in the future uh, where God in eternity will use that body, as we find in the early chapters of the book of Revelation, to be uh, gloriously part of the rulership of the universe under the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Let's come back to Jesus and this purpose that he had, redemption. Now, we often will talk about the cross, about the resurrection, about the ascension, and then there was the formation of the early church. You would say that this takes us into a time of the Gentiles, and this is something of a gap, too, before more purposes are fulfilled at the end of time. How do you describe this gap that we're in?
1: Good. Well, it's interesting that in the Old Testament there are many scriptures, Psalm 45 is one of them, um, and uh, and in fact Isaiah 61, which we talked about before, is also another one of them, where um, in the the course of the scripture, there, there seems to be a gap. Uh, Isaiah nine six and seven: For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. But we never saw that. We saw Jesus come as a as a child, born as a child, and also given to us as the Son of God, uh, extant also in from eternity. Uh, and yet we not we did not see the fulfilling of that scripture. Psalm forty five is another instance where. Uh, he's seen to be um, grace is poured into the lips, and then we see the psalmist talking about him riding prosperously in victory. Uh, but that never happened. So uh, Peter tells us very clearly that the prophets of old they used to prophesy things that they didn't understand, and and there seemed to be a, a gap there in their understanding. They desired to look into it, they didn't get it. And and as a matter of fact, uh, even the apostle Peter um being one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, he said of Paul, he said, this brother Paul says things that are hard to be understood. So even in Peter's own thinking, there was a, a gap of understanding that he had about what Paul was bringing. So in that gap, we find that there is this parenthesis called the body of Christ, which began after the rejection of Jesus by the Jews as, as, a, as a nation. And God said immediately, well, now I'm going to do a new thing. I've been keeping this a secret. And uh, Paul tells us very clearly in Ephesians chapter 1 that this, this purpose of God for the body of Christ, the church, the Christian church, was a secret that God had kept, and he'd never told anybody about it until he told the apostle Paul about it. And we are part of that wonderful parenthesis that God is fulfilling as we speak today. And there is much water under the bridge
0: since that time when the Jews turned their back on Christ. But God hasn't turned his back on his people. In fact, as we pass over another anniversary of the formation of the nation of Israel, what we can see in the headlines today is a fulfillment of a biblical prophecy and, again, part of these eternal time purposes of God. So when we look at the nation of Israel at a significant time such as this, uh, what is so important for us to recognize as Christians who've come through a gap, a time of the Gentiles, but now God's focus comes back onto his people?
1: Yes. Well, w- with regard to our position in the church, with regard to this, um, I-, I hark back to my days uh, at high school in uh, Sydney, and Canterbury High School, Uh when we learned algebra, we learned about we learned about algebraic equations. And if you wanted to solve an algebraic equation that had brackets in it, the first thing you did was to remove the brackets. Right? And the church is like a parenthesis in the purpose of God. And until God can continue with solving the problems regarding Israel, the church purpose has to be finished. Now we don't know when that's going to be. We are told very. Uh, definitely in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 that there will come a moment when the church uh, age will come to a cease. The trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the Lord to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, we know that um, that's going to happen. We're not told when it's going to happen, but what we are told is this that the purpose of God for the nation of Israel was put on hold. The Apostle Paul tells us that very clearly uh, in Romans nine, ten, and 11 and also the last chapter of the book of Acts. We are told that the purpose for God of Israel is put on hold while God does something else. And we know that uh, when God continues and restarts his purpose with the nation of Israel, that the church purpose has to be finished has to be finished. Their purposes, the two purposes, cannot run together. So, if we look at Israel and suddenly see that things are happening in Israel, um, we know then that God is beginning to take up His relationship with them again, and that the time of the departure of the church is close at hand. So when we talk
0: of a beginning in the time purposes of God and an end in the time purposes of God, uh, this reformation of Israel as something that happens towards the end gives us a confidence that God has not been taken by surprise by the world events that we might see in the headlines today, but these would be a part of what he is doing to in these last days.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh- Um, Peter was very clear in Acts chapter 3 verse 21 when he was talking to the nation of Israel about uh, the necessity for the nation of Israel to accept that Jesus was the Messiah. And he said there in 321, he said that the heavens must receive Jesus Christ or Jesus must remain in heaven until the times of the restitution of all things. And that's a mighty verse because it means that God is determined to reconstitute everything the way he intended. Not a different order, but the same order. If it was a different order, it would mean that God had been defeated in some way and his purposes deferred and changed. But God is God and he will reconstitute it the way he intended it to be. And Jesus is the agent for that. And we find that uh, the church, the body of Christ, as we read on through the scripture, that our purpose is to be caught up and involved in that very restitution of all things. Should we assume then
0: that as these time purposes are worked out on earth, that we are going to, in some ways, be absorbed into the eternal purpose of God for the future? Is that the way we should look at these events that happen in our day and the expectation of what is coming with the, uh, the culmination of, of history?
1: Yes, well, the eternal purposes and the time purposes tend to run side by side uh, and yet uh, totally distinct from, from the other, each from the other. And um, the time purposes are, are in order for God to, first of all with the Jew, Uh, to to bring them back to the place where he wanted them to be, that place of prime nation that he promised to Abraham in the first place, Uh, the the place of having a ruler in the uh, nation of Israel on the throne of Israel as he covenanted with David in 2 Samuel 7, I think it is. Um, Those promises need to be fulfilled, and God will use his time purpose for the Jew to bring that to pass. The Gentile. The Gentiles have... Uh, had never been part of the dealings of God up till the time of Jesus. Even Jesus said, don't go to the Gentiles, just go to the Jews, to the house of Israel. That's where you've got to go. But it wasn't until the Apostle Paul was given the job of bringing to us a new sense of gospel message that was bound up in the grace of God and the glory of Christ that we find that the the Gentiles are getting an opportunity. Uh, As Paul says, the message will go to the Gentiles and, and they will believe. And so Jew and Gentile are given the opportunity of coming into the purposes of God. And then, of course, the church is that which God is forming out of both Jew and Gentile, as we are told very clearly in Ephesians, to take of the two one new man, one body of Christ. And God is miraculously doing that now in the scene of time. But both, all of those three purposes will feed into uh, the final eternal purposes. Where we find in the in the book of Revelation, that the nations of them that are saved shall be walking on the earth. And uh, Israel will still be the, the premier nation, and uh, but the church, the body of Christ, will be ruling and reigning with Christ in heavenly places. And for that, we give thanks to God. Is it the case that as Christian believers, we
0: need to take a humble attitude to what God is doing because we are grafted into his family, into his purposes. It really is a privilege for us as Christian believers to be received into
1: God's presence because he has enabled that to happen. Yes, indeed, Um, because God was very specific that uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish race, the the nation of Israel, they were his chosen people and the land is his. He said very definitely in Leviticus 25 that the land is mine, doesn't belong to anybody else, it's mine. And that's why uh, there's such confusion in the Middle East today, uh, because God said the land is mine, and as anybody else tries to take it, uh, we're told very clearly that God will make it make life extremely difficult for them.
0: And uh, David, before we end our conversation today, for Christian believers who are now a little more affirmed in the idea that God has eternal and time purposes, where we fit in here, our assignment what we are supposed to be doing in these days in the lead up to his return.
1: Well, as I said before, as we look at the Jew, we see what is happening with them and some remarkable things have happened with the Jews over the last hundred years. In the book of Leviticus, uh, God establishes the principle of the 50-year cycle, the 50th year after seven sevens, being the year of Jubilee, when all property is returned and all restitution is made. And it's quite amazing. Um, In 1917, we saw where the Balfour Declaration was made and the Jews at last, it was prescribed that they should have a homeland. It took 50 years uh, later before, in 1967, they got the rest of Jerusalem back. And now, 50 years later again, in 2017, we found that Mr. Trump, God bless him, um, had last last year said that I'm going to establish the uh, American Embassy in Jerusalem, uh, and so that is a recognition of the national uh, nature of Israel and also the capital of Jerusalem. Now when we see all those things happening, we find that uh, our time here in this world has got to be consumed with taking the message of Jesus as Saviour to the world as much as we can, preaching the Gospel, getting people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because Once God begins to deal with the Jew again in earnestness, as we see now approaching as coming events cast their shadows, our determination as a Christian church should be to preach the gospel as many times and as often and in as many places uh, as we can, not only in churches but over the back fence and to many people as we can because the days are short and we need to get on with the job of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as Saviour.
0: Pastor David Richards, thank you so much for your wonderful insights, sharing your thoughts and sharing your hearts with us today on 2020.
1: Thank you very much for having me now. Before you go, thanks for listening.
0: There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported.